your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. You can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Be sure to drop us a like, follow, or subscription so you never miss another episode. On tonight's show, there are a number of different topics to go through. The first one that is going to be pretty big is we're going to talk about Mark Shifley's COVID test because it does sound like Shifley is in fact going to be sidelined for at least a couple of games maybe. It's really hard to say at this time, but he actually was absent from tonight's game in the home opener against the Anaheim Ducks, which we'll talk about later in the show. Thought there were some interesting observations from this game, some things that I think could be positives going forward and maybe some things that are, eh, you know, still questionable. First, though, the the Shifley situation kind of broke, I would say, somewhere between last night and this morning. It was clear that after Blake Wheeler had been quarantined and tested positive for symptomatic COVID, the Jets were then kind of in a bit of a pinch, and it sounded like Winnipeg was potentially expecting more positive tests. There was a question of whether or not the Jets were about to have an outbreak, and, you know, obviously a lot of us were very concerned about it. We don't want to see anyone getting sick. We're already dealing with the loss of the captain for the time being, so it would just be nice if everyone else stayed healthy. However, during the round of COVID testing, unfortunately, uh, Mark Shifley did test positive at some point. He also tested negative earlier today, but then tested positive a second time, so he wasn't really going to be cleared for, for joining the team, and, you know, that's rightfully so. Uh, you know, if, even if you have like one positive test in a 24-hour period, you really need to quarantine, self-isolate, and try to avoid risking anything because the team could probably handle the loss of Shifley, especially against the Ducks, or at least in theory they could. Um, I, I know that Shifley probably wanted to be on the ice as much as anyone, and you know, obviously he's a very important player for this team, but by the same token, just let the lads handle it, you know, get healthy if in fact you are infected. It sounds like he's asymptomatic even if he does have an infection, so he may not even have COVID. It could just be a couple of false positives. The way the testing works sometimes, if it's like a rapid test, uh, sometimes the results within a few days of the initial exposure aren't as accurate. So we're just hoping that it is in fact a false positive, but, you know, we'll know more over the next couple of days. But in Mark's absence, the team did shuffle the lineup a bit. Um, at first, I, I was talking yesterday about some early potential options. It did seem like Paul Stastny was going to get on the first line with Andrew Kopp and Nikolai Ehlers, which that unit, I thought, was going to be pretty effective. In practice, it was reported that Kopp was on the on the center role and Stastny was out wide, but then they kind of reversed it, which I would say is the more sensible option. Stastny is struggling to keep up in terms of, like, just sheer pace of the game. But, you know, when he's given the space and time to make really great passes, he's still a phenomenal playmaker. So just let him anchor that middle of the space where he doesn't have to be your lead transition skater up the wings. And that unit should suffice for the time being. The second line I thought was really interesting because we saw Connor, Dubois, and Svechnikov all together. And this line actually seemingly had a pretty good night tonight, which, you know, I'll, I'll talk about later in this episode. I won't spoil it. But suffice it to say, I think the Jets might have found a pretty decent combo that... If they keep it together, I think the Jets might enjoy the results. 
The third line was Harkins, Lowry, and Veselainen, which it definitely was a line. And then the fourth line was Toninato and Riley Nash, plus whoever else could eat up some minutes with the vacant wing. Yeah, you guessed it. Nate Bolu did, in fact, draw back into the lineup and didn't really play all that much, but did have some, like, penalty kill shifts and stuff. Overall, though, you know, the Jets kind of made do with what they had. Shifley going down is definitely a bigger issue than losing Blake Wheeler. The Jets can kind of deal with the loss of Wheeler reasonably well, but unfortunately, when it comes to Shifley, you lose one of your most important all-situations attackers. Obviously, Shifley still has his defensive issues, but that, that shooting and playmaking skill that he has, it's just really hard to replace, and especially his value in transition. That part of his game is still really critical to the Jets, so obviously it was going to be really hard to replace him. And it kind of seemed like the Jets were shying away from calling up anyone other than Toninato from the Moose, which... You know, I have some questions about if it's like cap related stuff, I, I do understand that. But if it's more like they weren't really trusting some of the rookies, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with that decision as much. The Jets really need a boost of playmaking ability. I think Cole Perfetti would have made a lot of sense in this situation, but obviously it seems like he was always destined for the AHL and that really wasn't going to change. On a night like tonight, he might have been decently helpful, but the Jets this time didn't need to have like the world's most clean game. The one benefit of playing a team like the Ducks is that you can have a mediocre outing and still win by a decent margin, in part just because the Ducks don't really have that much defensive structure. They're a team that's really struggling to create offense in the most dangerous areas. When they do, it's usually because their opponent has been a welcome mat, which, you know, the Jets were last week. But today, I was hoping for something a bit better. I, I still thought that the Jets might struggle a bit just because Winnipeg is definitely ad hocking a lot of different lineups and stuff. I feel like the Jets have stitched together about as much as they can. You know, I, I always have quibbles with um, the way Paul Maurice has deployed his lineups in the past, mostly at full health, but when they're injured, he's usually able to cobble up something that's, like, not super terrible. On the defense side of things, I did have some concerns about Dylan and Pionk playing together again. This pairing, for me, just doesn't really have any chemistry so far. I feel like a lot of times... They don't seem to know who gets each assignment, and even when they do, they kind of misplay it somehow. There's gapping issues, I feel like communication hasn't been great, and just in general, that pairing for me doesn't really seem to know what's going on. I think that there are some issues in role assignments and shared responsibilities. I'm kind of hoping that they figure it out sooner rather than later, because Dylan right now, alongside Pionk, they're both kind of playing like traffic cones. I definitely do not expect it to last, and at times you could definitely see the guys making really good plays individually, but as a whole unit, it's just not really there for me yet. Of course, tonight's game was another test to see if the Jets lineups and the defensive pairings were in fact improved, or if things are still a little bit mudded. We'll check in on the game in just a moment, but before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place to do your online betting. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. Go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so start your winning path today. 
Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and don't forget promo code locked on at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are continuing to discuss Winnipeg's uh, recent adventures and stuff, and obviously tonight's game was the home opener. It was a big deal. There was a lot at stake. Honestly, I felt like the mood wasn't great coming into this game. Shifley's out, Wheeler's out, one point from the first six available, and like, I know it was a road trip, but it was against teams in the Pacific, and it's not really inspiring to see them get smoked by those teams, so... Welcoming the Ducks back into Winnipeg was kind of a chance for the Jets to hit the reset button and maybe get some points on the board. Obviously, this is a really important thing for the Jets to kind of come out of the gate swinging because I get the sense the Central Division this year is going to be pretty difficult to uh, maintain a really good playoff spot, so it would behoove the Jets to not fall and uh, stumble really early. In this game, though, things were a little bit awkward. Uh, It didn't exactly start off ideally. Out of the gates, it felt like Anaheim was faster, Um, they were certainly pressuring pretty aggressively, and they were definitely throwing the puck on Hellebuck quite a few times, Um, a couple of early decent attempts that got the Jets scrambling a little bit, and then Winnipeg ended up taking a penalty that, in my mind, probably wasn't that much of a penalty. I think it was Stastny getting called for a hook, but... I didn't really see the hook. If anything, I thought it might be a tripping, but I also didn't really see a whole lot of a tripping motion, so I don't know about the penalty, but either way, you kind of know what happens when the Jets go on the PK, and unfortunately, Hellebuck was a little bit screened. His defenders didn't really pressure the puck carrier. Cam Fowler let a uh, a long-distance point shot go, and Troy Terry ended up deflecting it in front of Hellebuck. Not much that Connor could really do in net. And just like that, Anaheim was up 1-0, which of course, for a lot of folks, was like, oh... Here we go again. Three minutes in, you've already conceded a power play goal. Could it really get any worse at this point, other than somebody just getting injured or something? Thankfully, though, the Jets responded very quickly. This new line of Pierre-Luc Dubois, Kyle Connor, and Evgeny Svechnikov connected on a really good give-and-go sequence. They basically split Anaheim's defense almost in the slot area, and thanks to a little bit of a fortunate bounce, Dubois ended up getting a nice goal off of Josh Maher's skate. After that, the period just kind of died. Winnipeg didn't really do a lot, and certainly Anaheim was the one kind of buzzing Winnipeg's net a little bit more frequently. I don't recall Anaheim's chances being all that dangerous, but just by sheer volume and making Hellebuck work a few times, it was a little bit sketchy. And this might have been the period where Hellebuck ended up going out to uh, play a puck, and he very nearly, well actually he did turn it over, but thankfully, you know, that, that, that near goal that was almost an empty net goal, Kind of got blocked and and intercepted thanks to some Jets forwards coming back on defense, but just an odd first period. It felt like the Jets really weren't very active. They were a step behind everything. The Ducks were faster, more aggressive, and that's not really what you want to see at home, especially after such a disappointing road trip. The second period was uh, also not really ideal. The Jets kind of got pasted at times. There were a few shifts where they would dominate offensive zone possessions, and it was only for like very short spells, and then Anaheim would immediately counter and start to pick off the Jets, and then as they were kind of wearing down Winnipeg's defenders, the Jets got hemmed in heavily inside the defensive zone and started to collapse. There were seriously shifts where it felt like Winnipeg was basically keeping the same guys out there for like a two-minute shift, especially when Anaheim was really, really pressing. One thing that's very noticeable is that the Jets, again, keep throwing the puck along the walls to try and clear the defensive zone, and every team knows that they do it. Every team sort of picks that playoff, and every team usually scores off of it. So if the Jets could find a way to tell their defenders to stop doing that, that'd be fantastic. You only really use the walls if you have forwards supporting there and are able to get out of the zone and create breakouts, but the Jets don't even do that because they're very concerned about the slot. 
They have the forwards kind of blocking that central area, and so the D are just flinging it up into basically opposing skaters, and since you have the first layer of forwards forechecking and pressuring in those corners, then the puck is either going to find that forward, or it's going to slip back to the point defender, and those guys are going to wrist it from the point, and it's going to be a nasty little deflection from the chaos. Or they just start going full Harlem Globetrotters and passing it around Winnipeg zone while the Jets exhaustedly skate around trying to chase the puck carrier, and then you can see that way. Just from failure to clear the defensive zone alone, you can kind of see how the Jets really struggle with this, and Nate Schmidt got caught on numerous occasions on this one particular shift during, I think, the second period. I was honestly amazed that the Ducks did not score on this. It should have been a goal against, but somehow Hellebuck and some puck fortune ended up keeping the Jets in the proverbial driver's seat. And thanks to Andrew Kopp, the Jets actually had the lead throughout the entire period. He found a good little goal line scramble towards the uh, the short side, where Nate Schmidt on his offhand found him kind of streaking in along parallel to like uh, John Gibson's net. And Schmidt hit him with a nearly perfect pass that Kopp just sort of redirected back behind Gibson and it was 2-1 Jets, which you always love to see that. It was a really important goal because the Jets for most of that second period were frankly outworked and outskated for much of the frame. So, you know, having the 2-1 lead is nice. It gives you a little bit of breathing room, especially as Anaheim kept buzzing the low slot area. They created some really dangerous chances. I felt like the Jets were probably fortunate that some of those opportunities did not go past Telebuck, but by the same token, the Jets also had a couple of opportunities where they really should have buried it. I think back to one instance with Brendan Dillon, who had a very sprawling open net, and I think he lost his balance or something, and as he went to take the shot, it just sort of sailed over the crossbar, and John Gimson had dived across to stop anything that would have been in that area, but I still think Dillon probably had the shot anyways. I think he could have scored, would have been nice if he did, Somehow he did not. With a 2-1 lead, the Jets were heading into the third period with what felt like a tenuous margin. We all know that when the Jets have a lead, it's usually not a long-lived one. Unfortunately, it tends to get blown in the third period, usually in like the last minute of the game. And so I was hoping that the Jets would kind of recover from the, the weekend trip and stuff and show us that they can in fact defend a lead and defend it well. We'll dive into the end of the game in just a moment, but before we go any further, I thought you should hear about why rockauto.com should be the only place you buy your auto parts. Before we go any further, I thought you should hear about why rockauto.com is the best place to buy your auto parts. There are literally thousands and thousands of vehicles out there, and it's really hard for auto parts stores to keep up stocking parts, accoutrements, and everything in between. You might stand in line for 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes waiting for your chance to buy the part that you need, and you find out they don't even have it in stock. If you want to save time and money, then just go to rockauto.com instead. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We are closing out tonight's thoughts on Winnipeg versus Anaheim in which was a... Uh, I wouldn't exactly say it was a thrilling game, but it certainly had a couple of really good highlights. Thought that there were some great moments. 
some mixed moments. I've talked about like the second period being a bit of a stinker. One of the uh, main saving graces on the night was that Hellebuck looked very sharp. I thought that he had a big bounce back game. He looked a lot more like himself and what we usually expect from him, which that's good. You know, you want to see him square to the shooters, not really using a lot of lateral edge movement unless he really needs to, just generally using his big frame and being efficient to swallow pucks. That's kind of his game and that's what you want to see from him. And tonight he looked a lot calmer, I thought just very composed and controlled, made some really nice glove saves, a couple of really 10 bell saves, like there was a moment where a duck skater was just directly in front of Hellebuck and almost managed to tuck the puck around his right pad, but Helly ended up stretching out his pad really, really far, basically as far as he could go, and made the great save, all things that you very much love to see. And John Gibson at the other end did a really good job stopping the Jets on a couple of key opportunities, but could not keep everything out of the net, which, you know, Winnipeg will very much be happy with. To Winnipeg's credit, though, I don't think that they just leaned on Hellebuck for the third period. They actually did play a more well-rounded, more complete game. They still gave up a few dangerous chances here and there, but overall, I felt like Winnipeg was forcing Anaheim to the corners. They didn't really give the Ducks many good, clear shooting lanes. A lot of it was point shots tipped from distance. Nothing that Hellebuck really couldn't deal with. And then the Jets added their own third goal thanks to a Josh Morrissey power play goal from the right faceoff circle. This is the same spot that he scored in the other night, and I don't know if this is like a normal thing for him or what, but for some reason he's able to pick those corners a lot more cleanly coming off the right faceoff circle where he can not necessarily be like a one-time option, but it seems like his wrist shot and accuracy have been pretty decent from that angle. I don't know if I want him there permanently, but he is probably an improvement over having Wheeler in that spot trying to one-time it, so... Yeah, whatever it is what it is, I guess. But for the rest of the period, that goal ended up being the uh, the one to just stand the test of time. Anaheim had a couple of okay opportunities to try and force a second and maybe a game-tying goal after that, but nothing really came of it. The Jets held a 3-1 lead, and then Kyle Connor added an empty netter, and then, you know, right after that, a really great individual solo effort that he just somehow blew through Anaheim's defense fought off a clear trip, resisted another Ducks defender who had the measure of him coming in towards the uh, the top of the offensive zone and sped all the way to the net where he just tucked it behind uh, John Gibson for like a beautiful, amazing, almost goal of the year candidate. If you haven't seen the highlight, I would highly recommend it. I thought it was unbelievably sexy, great goal, great uh, skill and, and really just elegant stick handling and edge work matched to like serious grit and determination to score, which is not something that we often see with the Jets. Sometimes we've seen them kind of roll over and, and maybe make a lazy play. I think Kyle kind of, you know, felt bad about the Minnesota loss, so this was a nice little bounce back game from him. As for the game overall, I felt like the Jets were solid. Um, the Ducks kind of outplayed them in, in a number of stretches, and it does have some notes of concern for Winnipeg. I feel like the Jets probably should not be struggling against rebuilding teams. I know that the Ducks just beat them recently, you know, in, in Anaheim, of course, but if you're at home, you really need to push the home advantage and be the dominant side consistently. And the Jets had some moments where they were very good, but also some moments where they just sort of switched off. You can say all you want about the lineup being injured, but by the same token, you know, you look at Anaheim's roster and there's not a lot there to work with. The fact that they have pushed the Jets this much it's not a great sign, so the Jets kind of need to smarten up and improve their all-around game. I thought they were better tonight than they were in that game, but they still have a lot of work to do, so let's hope they uh, work on the penalty kill and come back rejuvenated and refreshed as their season continues later this week. Send me your thoughts on the game at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. 
For tonight's show, though, that is going to do it. On tomorrow night's episode, I do anticipate doing maybe some NHL 22 stuff. We might kick off our series as the franchise owners of the Minnesota Wild, where you will get to make some decisions, and then we will also cover some of the games from around the league. Thanks for making Locked on Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Collin leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.